All right, guys, welcome back to the Raised Hunting Podcast. And even though I'm joined by the same two people every week and they are here again, notice that we are in a totally new environment. Look at this. We are like special. So I can't introduce my special guest because we're all special today in this. No, big thank you to Easton who has been working diligently to create us a new podcast environment. Yep. And so. Oh, yeah. Which our decorations aren't done yet, but we're getting there. We got all the walls and tables and everything up. Next is your guys' pictures and a sign. So, so far, though, I would. It's proved. There's a good deal. Oh, my. All right, but let's see. Before I introduce the topic for today, I you one of you has people comments, or comments. you both have some. I'll or? go first because I have right. less. Shout out to Brandon Ward one on Apple. He said, "Used to watch you guys on TV as a kid, and I recently came upon the podcast, and now I listen to everything you have with turkey in the title. How convenient! How convenient! Very Perfect. convenient on today's topic. Yes, and then obviously a shout out to all of our Spotify people. They just keep rocking it. So. Unfortunately, like I said before, we don't know your names. That's all you got? Yep. Wow. Come on, guys. Uh, YouTube. Our YouTube podcast channel is doing very well. Because yeah. now I can search up the Raised Hunting podcast, and the channel comes up. I don't have to <laughs> filter channel and find it. But you guys are doing great on there. It's so much easier for us to be able to keep things separate, too, now. I had a very interesting person, or a very interesting comment you guys might find this intriguing. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's pretty lengthy. But it's in regards to our last shed pod, shed hunting podcast. This, In short, uh, what's his, Travis, Travis Huddleworth. Oh, he's commented before. Um, so he commented and said that he found a set to a five-and-a-half-year-old deer. And it was the second set that he had found. The One of, one of those, though, had an extremely, he called it an extremely hard shed. Um, like where the inch and a half or so of the skull was on it. He said there was green pus and everything all around it, and it smelled abs- absolutely disgusting. It took like two weeks to get the smell out of it. Anyways, he had heard everybody say that the deer's going to die from it. Die will of infection, brain abscess, anything else. Um, on New Year's, though, he said he found his set side by side. His, he shed perfectly normal this year, and this side, or in the side that shed hard last year, blew up with mass. I couldn't put my hand around the base. Triple brows and a new kicker. So shedding hard isn't always lethal. Wish I could post pics on here. Was that the one that <coughs> had um had him on a deer farm? I don't know if he had it on a deer. Somebody farm. commented that. too that had that worked on a deer farm or something, and said they had one like that, and that then he walked yeah. over to the deer and it and it said it looked like it was perfectly fine and it survived and everything. That's I've good. Heard, I have heard some of that. <clears throat> So maybe that, that, I mean, maybe that's a thing. I hope so, because we just found, just yesterday, Warren and I found a small five-point side that he shed, I don't know, half inch, maybe a little more than that, of his skull with his antler, and he's like a stud muffin coming up, and I'm, oh, I hope he makes it. But that, I... Go ahead. No, that that's it. That is one that I'm, con- or uh, I would like to know. I've read about that, read about the whole they shed part of their skull, the infections and everything. Are you guys going off example? Like, we, do you have a couple? We do have a couple that we had sheds from them and then never saw them again. So now... That's what I'm wondering if some people, that's what they're clarifying as well, is if they've found the sheds and then they never 
never saw, saw the deer again. again. Yeah, because that could be a lot of things. But oh, at yeah. the same time, could have been that, killed by a coyote, or yeah. could have been um, hit by a vehicle, or something like that. But um, it was just odd. The the one that's at the house that was yeah. many years ago, but um, yeah, he was. Gone. It was one of the first ones, and it was a big <clears throat> skull chunk. Um, Hunker Outdoors 96 said, been watching for almost a year. Keep it up. Love the show. Uh, Jake Deluge. Hey, he's one of our pictures that I have on our, uh, that's going to be going on our wall. He said, I needed this. I've attempted shed hunting two or three times, but have never had success. I feel the pain, brother. Been doing well, hopefully that you will now. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we hopefully covered some stuff. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, not even going to try to say the last part cause I don't under, I don't know what it is. I'm just going to sound dumber. Um, Rupsick. Anyways, Rupsick? Yep. How do you know that? Because he comments on all of them every time. Yeah, I know, but how did you know to pronounce it that easy? Because he said that I got it right and nobody ever gets it right. Dang. Look at Warren being a little spelling queen. Okay. Uh, he had a good one. He might get to see you guys at the Great Outdoors or Great American Outdoors show. Uh, I don't think so. No, it's over. <laughs> What's the one you guys are going to this week? Uh, we're going to the Western Expo. Oh, yeah. Western Expo. Never mind. Yeah. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, TF Hunter 365, great podcast as always. Uh, he also liked the beginning. <laughs> sorry about that. Raised right. <laughs> the start of this show had me rolling, guys. <laughs> we love it. Uh, all season whitetails. I think another tip is a good pair of optics. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Gerald Morris, 8730. I just, found, or I just want Gerald. to find one. Gerald? What'd I say? Gerald? Yeah, Gerald. I'm just trying to go fast. You guys yell at me when I go too slow. I'm a slow reader. Uh, <laughs> Poon45. <laughs> Love everything that you guys do. Oh, Had the idea for a show, maybe talk about age limits for deer hunting for kids. Oh, that, that could be a good one. Oh, yeah. And that, there's more to that comment as well. Uh, Bucky Doo Downer, 9040. I don't know what's going on with that wall behind y'all, but I liked the wood slots better than the plywood and charcoal. Well, get over it because it's staying, right? I've spent a lot of time on this. But we'll actually take uh, consideration if you guys think it's a little too distracting because we thought that we might have to cover it. Well, we're, it's, it's a little not shiny, done yet. Yeah, so. Like we said, it's not done. Uh, reminder. Because one of the comments on here said that they were going to send a photo in, but it was before they started listening to our podcast. Send it in. Well, we want, I've got like 10 or 15 right now, and I've got a couple other guys that have sent stuff that said they're going to send images. I'm like this close trying to give you guys the time before I send them all off to get printed um, and then putting them up. And I've got everybody's stories written out on a document. I don't know if we'll do a whole podcast or we'll do one at the beginning of a podcast, but... Whether it is legitimately straight up, like you listen to our podcast and we somehow gave you a tip that you killed a big deer, that's even better. Send us the pictures in the story. But if you guys are just hunters like us and you like to listen, you follow along the podcast, send us those as well. We're going to get everybody's up there. So contact at RaisedHunting.com. And I'm not going to do the contact at RaisedHunting.com thing again because I don't need to tell you guys it's contact at RaisedHunting.com. <laughs> I think you just did it without doing it on purpose. Reverse psychology. Oh, gotcha. Okay, mm-hmm. there we go. That it? That was a lot of comments, I feel like, for just shed hunting. Well, that's good. All right, well, good to hear it. Um, I think we're going to try to be a little cleaner this week than we were last week, um, at least in our Speak beginning. for yourself, man. Well, there was no need to go there, in my opinion, but I guess I <laughs> went there too, so I guess it doesn't really matter. 
Um, but anyhow, so but today we're going to talk about turkeys, and we're going to specifically talk about what's going on with turkeys. Where'd they go? Um, because we do not have the turkey numbers, at least in the Midwest, that we had a few years ago. Um, one of the biggest places that I can tell you that there's been a major decline in turkeys is the state of Nebraska. Um, they even went; they've eliminated one of their tags, um, so they've had a significant decrease. If it continues, we could see that same thing happen here. Right now, we can still kill two birds in Iowa, but if it doesn't, if something doesn't turn around, I could see that going to one. Well, they used to be able to kill three there, couldn't you? In, in Nebraska, in Nebraska, now it's gone to two. Yep. Uh, I wonder if Nebraska's could partly just be because I feel like when we were going to Nebraska, nobody else was going there yet, or it was a lot Less. lower amount of people than right. are now. Yeah, and if maybe just the sheer fact that there's more people hunting them and, and shooting three, that it, they're know. down. <clears throat> so really the whole point of this entire conversation is going to be speculation because even the wildlife agencies are speculating. They don't know. They're starting to do, I think, it from what I've been able to kind of find here, the last two, three years, they were like, we really need to buckle down and try and figure out what's going on because none of the turkeys are making it. So, in this article, it says, Why are turkey poults struggling to survive? Uh, it starts with nesting and brood-rearing habitat. We've essentially created ideal predator habitat in a lot of the wild turkey range. It says, We've fragmented forests, we've converted forests from hardwoods to pine, and we've removed habitat for, for urbanization and development. So, if you look at the United States now versus 20 years ago, it's just not as good as it used to be for the turkeys. Now, I would be in question there in Nebraska. I don't feel like they've been... Maybe they're building like crazy out there in Nebraska, but I doubt that it's changed that much as far as urban sprawl. That is, What do you think, Nick, because you're from there? Do you have any idea? I mean, more or less, it's starting to become farmers that are actually spreading out in the fields, so that's kind of what's... They're what? Farmers. Are doing what to the fields, though? They're extending their own Expanding their fields. Expanding. See, I think that, and so to kind of go along with what you're talking about there... Yeah, urban sprawl is one thing, but agriculture sprawl is another thing that I can say just in the 12 years that we've been in Iowa, I've seen it happen here where a 50-acre cornfield becomes a 60-acre cornfield because they took out the hedgerow, the fence rows and everything and this little bit of timber, and that was a place where the birds could roost, a place where they could scratch around during the day and have some ability to get away from a predator. And we're just taking away all of that. Matter of fact, there's a chunk of it happening right now, right by my house. Um, this says here that in after several years of flooding and habitat loss to urbanization, the poult per hen ratio has dropped to a record low of 1.4 in August 2020. According to the TWRA, 2021 annual wild turkey status report in other words by august that year hens had an average of only 1.4 surviving poults the long-term average since 1983 is 3.4 poults per hen so less than half yeah um i would like to know i don't feel like when we moved to iowa which was in 2012 right um so we don't know what it was like before, but when did they, I don't think, was that the first year you could hunt bobcats or was it the next year? In our county. 
right right yeah. around there was in our county that you could hunt bobcats. It was, and like, that was the first year. Yeah, right. <laughs> or was it next year? I don't know. First one or two years with a, of us moving here, where they legalized it, where you could kill them. Okay, so um, I think that could be a huge part of it because I think we had pictures of some bobcats then. Now on camera, we get we have bobcats like every single card pull. The other thing I think is 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 trapping. I think until we can figure out a way to be able to make the prices of furs and everything else go back up, uh, I don't know that it's. I think it's going to be dang near impossible because um, that's. I really wish I could find that other study that we were reading that day. It said how long the eggs had to sit there for. Do you know what that is? I don't, I don't know exactly how long it is. No, it was like thirty days or something. If I can remember than right, thirty, right over thirty or something, because it was like, how the heck do you keep that there without? Something? Yes. A just coon, falling over the it. amount of coons in Iowa, there a coon is going to walk on that within 30 days just because there's that many coons. Oh, yeah. And I remember when we were in school, there was still kids that were going trapping every day, you know, and you'd walk out in the parking lot, and they had literally truckloads of, of coons. coons. I don't know. I don't ever really go by the high school anymore, but I don't well, see pictures or hear of that at all really anymore. No, anybody that I've talked to, just because I'm curious about trapping – uh, that that did then. I don't. I don't really know anybody that's trapping coons or anything small really anymore. A lot of people that I, pretty much everybody I talk to now that is trapping anything, it's going to be a bobcat or coyotes or beavers, or beavers, yeah, Be- or some, otters, something odd. Which they're only you can only in Iowa. I think you can only trap one otter per per person. Mm-hmm. So so they're looking for things that are worth. That. Yeah, yeah, they're looking for things that are still worth some money. Yeah, and, and they're still. I just looked the other day, and it like a. Uh, oh, I read it out loud. I should have looked. I should have written it down. Uh, the bobcats are still like forty bucks, something like that. That's still cheap. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They used to, you could get like a hundred bucks out of one. Right. And but it, I guess a lot of it is dependent on region, um, and where some of them come from. Like a northwestern coyote goes for a heck of a lot more than a midwestern coyote, typically speaking. All right, we're back. We had to do had a little emergency. <coughs> Good lord! Sorry. Heater, you sneezing? Generator or air compressor? All right. So anyhow, as I was saying a few minutes ago, um, we kind of did, or I did, a little bit of a study or a, or just a test um, around my place, um, and to give people kind of an idea, I have um, roughly that's all contiguous there about a 220 acre chunk, me and a neighbor. Um, that would be the whole thing. And on that chunk, um, what we had going on was our turkey numbers were down. So what I decided to do was see, and yet it seemed like our coon numbers were way up. Mm-hmm. And so I started setting traps by my house. I, and I didn't run a trap line. I just set them by my house and by my shop. And I caught almost 100 coons myself. I ended up with 80-some coons. But I employed the help of a neighbor kid who was looking to do some trapping, and I told him he could work on the creek bottom that ran through us. And he ended up with 115. So we roughly removed 200 coons in a few months. Our turkey numbers significantly increased, um, meaning like it was noticeable that we had, well, the first thing that we saw was we saw a actual hen that had a like a complete clutch of hen, I mean, of little ones had like 13 or 14 with her. Then we saw another one or two that did the same thing. 
which we had not seen in the couple previous years. So um, I know that they're still looking, and I don't believe that that is the 100% the only reason, but I definitely think it's a huge contributing factor. Easton was just reading some of the um, some of the facts from the that it takes 28 days for these hens to sit on this clutch of eggs for them to hatch. Well, in 28 days, like Warren mentioned, if you have 28 days of eggs sitting there and you have that many coons, and I mean, I'm talking 200 coons on 200 acres, that's just what we caught. And it wasn't like we were having a hard time catching them. We probably could have caught more if there was more traps out, if we were trying a little harder. Um, uh, And then that's not counting bobcats, possums, skunks, um, bobcats, all kinds of things that um, could be other contributing factors. But that's definitely, definitely, in my opinion, what I'm seeing around where I live or the places that I hunt is the two contributing, the biggest contributing factors is one, too many um, predators preying on the on the turkeys and not urban sprawl, but agriculture sprawl. I think those two things are significantly decreasing the number of turkeys yeah. around us. The other one that you could look at with <clears throat> yours is not not just the seeing the clutches of poults. I'm not as worried about that. I think that, I mean, as long as they hatch at s- some point or another, there's a good chance you're going to see some of them that have 10, 12, 13 that are together. But getting them to live all the way till the following year, because what they're hatching in June or somewhere around there. Late um, June, early <clears throat> July. Yeah. So they got to make it to the following year. Well, the following year is when we really, really realized it because we went from what would what would be a lot would be like six or seven jakes in groups or maybe a few more and have a couple different groups of those around in the area. And then we went from that to the next couple of years we had anywhere from like 15 to, I think you had one where it was 17 jakes in yeah, one. Yeah, 17 of them together. Which is telling us that if they're jake, it's telling us that they're they're young and they are from the previous year. So now you know that if you're, if you're not, jakes immediately go up from, say, your average is seven in a flock to 15, 20. You, you, whatever happened in the last year or two did something to affect the overall health. Right. And that's not including your hens that you that they hatched as well. You don't pay attention to. Correct. Um, what else are you finding there? Well, is what I'm trying to. Holy moly! So, part of what this is saying here is it says when researchers started trapping and putting radio trackers on female turkeys in the thick woods of southeast Oklahoma, they learned to hope how hens were successfully raising their young. Two years into that study, there is a complication. None of those 60 or so turkeys are known to have hatched offspring that lived more than a few weeks. A microcosm of a much larger problem. Um, So I guess my point is, is they're also saying that this is across the entire Midwest and East, meaning Oklahoma, Tennessee, Iowa, Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, (laughs) a whole bunch of these states. It's all... And it, and it seems like 2009 is when it actually started to somewhat decline. And then the last 10 to 15 years, um, it says over the last 10 or 15 years, wild turkeys have fallen into a significant decline through the South and the Midwest. As it became clear that there were sus- sustained losses across many states, turkey enthusiasts grew worried. Scientists started studies in some states curbed hunting. 
Just this year, Kansas and Mississippi suspended fall turkey hunting seasons, and Oklahoma legislators held a hearing on the decline. It took a decade or more of this happening in multiple places where everyone was like, holy crap, what's going on? Um, so I guess is what I'm trying to think of is I would, I would, you would have to think that whatever is causing this, it, it's not, <clears throat> it's not only one area. It has to be something that applies to all of those states. You see what I'm saying? Cause yeah. otherwise why would they all be doing that? And literally the only thing I can think of is, is trapping. I would think surely they trapped in Mississippi and everywhere else, right? I would think it almost oh, yeah. was probably bigger there. Well, this right here it just says, if you just type this in real quick, pelt price, prices exhibited a steep decline from a high of $104.89 in 1978. That's a lot of money. Until reaching $5.67 in 1990, after which the prices have remained low but relatively stable. What is, what, what is that for? What? I what pelt? I wonder if that's an average. Oh, going off of everything? Oh, I'd have to read this entire thing. But <clears throat> my point is, is if, I mean, what did you say a coon price was the other day? Uh, somewhere around, well, now it's like okay, 10 here or you go. 15 bucks. Okay, so if here you go. 15 is good, I think. Okay, so look up look up um, the turkey population in 1977. In the U.S.? Yep. So uh, in 1977... Raccoon pelt prices were over a hundred dollars. Nineteen eighty four. We missed our calling, man. Through nineteen eighty four or nineteen eighty six, even looks like they were still over twenty five dollars. In nineteen eighty eight, they dropped down to doesn't give me exact number, but it looks like ten dollars. And and then two two thousand and sixteen is the last number they even have on here, and it and it's looks like it's got to be like three or four dollars. Um, and then the raccoon. Okay, now this is really interesting, conflicting data. Raccoon trapper harvest. In 1976, it was reported that there was about 80,000 raccoons harvested. And then in 1980, it was at a peak, just below 150,000. And that held until 1988. And so when that price price dropped, so when it went from uh, $40 down to $5, it, they went from harvesting like 130,000 raccoons to less than 50,000. So a third. And so either there was way less coons to be able to trap or everybody said it's not worth my it wasn't worth time it. now. And so, but now it gets interesting because then it went back and in 1996, it spiked again to 125,000. And then in 2012, it was 2008 through 2012 was actually at 150,000. Raccoons harvested, and then it dropped again in 2014, down to about fifty thousand. So there's a cycle there of some sort, where yeah. people get involved in it, or the price goes up a little bit, so everyone starts trapping again. That drives the price down, so then they give it up. What is your deal? Okay, well, and then this is hurt. another thing. But I don't number know. of raccoon oh. trappers in 1976. There was lay down. 1976, there was just under 16,000. In 2016, there's about 2,500. So, if you ask me, oh, geez, this is great. We should have done this before. This even breaks down the cost that these people were paying to go for gas, 
snow depth, unemployment, temperature, all kinds <laughs> of stuff. So, in my opinion, if I was just to look at this from a complete, um, really subjective view, I think that the scientists are trying too hard, and it is literally trapping. I don't. You we can't also say, have a PhD I, I, in in biology. So did you find? Did you <laughs> did you find the numbers? Uh, they don't give you specific numbers. I found general numbers. Okay, well, what was the general for 1990? Hold on, I don't have because that. I you you cannot. I don't think that you can make the statement you just made. There's a whole lot of other things that could be constants here. That number one, we've seen we're warmer than ever, so it's global warming. Someone could say that it's global warming. Everything's changing. Number two is the amount of habitat that has been lost would be staggering more so than your number there for the coons. I mean, it's when you talk about how many acres per day are lost to, I mean, to people, to more and more people. Well, the only one that wouldn't add with that, though, is um, some of these western places like Nebraska but that, and I mean, Kansas. Like some, they can't be adding that much ground. And then what about all the places where turkeys are walking around in people's yards? Well, you're talking over 60 years if you're going to 1970. 60 (laughs) years is a long time for a lot of agricultural places to change. Yeah, but but really is what they're saying is that the biggest spike has been in the last 10 years. It's really started to just totally take a dive. I just I just don't think that you can make the claim as much as I think that the predators are a serious effect on them. I don't think that that's the only effect. Sure. It's, I don't, maybe I, it's not the um and it may not even be the leading one. Maybe it's not. However, the only thing that I'm trying to figure out is if there's one thing that is among everything else that is has to be consistent, trapping would be the only thing. That, and those prices are I mean sure, you could say that same agreed. Loss of habitat is constant, and it's growing. Yeah, but we have really no idea the rate of that. Yeah, there's probably more statistics on that than there is on so What about all the turkeys that live in town? What about it? How, how are those ones surviving? Well, I don't see any turkeys in town here. There's turkeys in Des Moines and Nebraska. There's turkeys all over town. I'm not saying they can't adapt, and they will. Well, they and- are. They're, that's what they're, when they're, some of the recovery stuff where they started trying to get them to recover in the in the United States was anywhere from like 1930 to the 70s is when they were like booming. Like they right. went from like 300,000 or something like that or 400, I'd have to go back and find it, but three or 400,000 uh, across the entire United States to 1.4 million birds from all of this, like trying to uh, get them to come back right. and be able to help them. But How they said again? that part of why they're, they're, they did so There was so over a well. million, almost, I think it was close to two million, I mean, or close to a million and a half. 1.4 million. From what? From Turkey recovery programs. Yeah. No, and what was the number for? 300,000, or like, yeah, 300,000. To almost, a, to 1.4 million. Mm-hmm. In how long? Uh, anywhere from the 30, they don't say specific dates, but the 30s to the 70s. The 30s is when they were in massive scarcity. But they said that part of why it, they boomed so well is because they could adapt so quickly to different areas that they were adapting to uh, when they were placing them in different spots. They adapted within like a year without any issues. But so they were introducing them to new places. All over. Or yeah, they, they started with like 10 or 15 states that could even hunt a turkey to like within a couple of years of when they got this all rolling that it was like 39 states or 36 states could hunt. 
turkeys. I would think the turkeys would have to. The thing I would, if you could figure out what the problem is, you could probably fix the population in three to five years because what's your average turkey lifespan? Two years? Oh, no, I, yeah. Average turkey, I think, is three or four years. Yeah, well, their life expectancy of like in three, four years is an old bird. Right. You know, but I'd say typically they're not making it much more than a year. Yeah, year on to average, two years. Yeah, year to two years probably. So you would think then that if you could figure out some of those issues that that population, they can grow their Possibly. population pretty quickly. Well, just the fact that they have so many, they can have the ability to have a, a big brood of, of poults, that, you know, where they have 13 to sometimes 15, 16. I would be curious to know on that when they were referring to that 3.4 hens or 3.4 poults per hen, is that averaged of the... So one hen has all 13 of hers make it, and now they're averaging that over all of the yes. hens, or each hen is getting to roughly... No, I think they're taking the av- average of all of them. You know, So you might have one that has 13, and then you have three more that don't have any, and then that's right. how they get their number. Yeah. Their mm-hmm. average life expectancy is three to five years. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, you got to think about it. The toms that you're killing, a lot of times, I mean, some of the ones... That well, we've I've killed, killed you. Got pretty jakes. obvious that they're two two year old toms, but you can see like some of these really really long spurs. That is not a two year old tom, unless it's very somehow grew them that freaking fast. But a lot of times it's a you can tell pretty quick, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I think it. I've killed a lot of jakes, so I just figured yeah, you have. They weren't getting to make it that long. <laughs> they don't when you're around. The life expectancy of they, a turkey when yeah. Warren's around is. Six Inf- months. No, their life expectancy is infinity. <laughs> they never die. Not the ones with a shotgun. Yeah, no, I kill Jake's. Jake's, I have boom, no problems. Boom, it's boom, Tom's boom. that always got away. So we need more Warrens out there in order to get our turkey population back. More uh-huh. people missing. Yep. I, right. I, I, I want to hear. I'm, I'm hoping that some people will write in and tell us what, what are they seeing in their neck of the woods. Not from a biological or from a, you don't, not what you read in a study, but what you physically see, like what we did with the coons and saw a difference, you know, in their turkey population. Could you drive down the road a year ago or five years ago and see lots of turkeys and now you're not? Or are you seeing a lot of them? Um, because I feel like locally around us, our turkey population has made a little bit of a bounce back, um, but not significant enough that I'm not still worried because it's not, I mean, so let's I just, feel like I, it's very dependent on where you're at. Because you can go 40 miles away, and I think that the turkey population is booming. Possibly. Like where we just shed hunted the other day. Yep. Yeah, like there's more birds there now than I have seen in a while. Versus down here, I will say hunting down, like at your place last year was like, what the heck? There's only two, where three different groups. Like right. this is not normal. Um, I don't know. I don't. I wish we had the answer. That's why we're talking about it. I would like to know. In 2012, what happened to cause the number of raccoon trappers to double for two years and then go back down? Because the price, it does look like the price made a very small uptick, but not enough to drive people there. I. I guess I personally wouldn't think so, but maybe I'm wrong. Was there a movie that came out about it, like Katniss did for archery? I don't know. <laughs> you could also look at, you're looking at the total average, aren't you, of just any pelt? Um, 
Because I know, like, in your Midwestern places, you could be able to see, like, okay, the coon uh, hides went for $30 in 2012 or something, and it spiked because everybody, that's an easy one to trap versus you're trying to go trap otters and stuff that you got to have a decent idea what the heck you're doing in order to make it happen. The other other thing is you could have had a state that just started requiring trapping licenses or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, so let's just say, let's just say that predators, just for fun, that predators are the issue. Then what do you do? Shoot them Can suckers. You, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you that was just, easy. I mean, kill them. I mean, even if you, I mean, I guess if you, if you, if that truly became back, that that was the problem. I would, I personally, because I enjoy turkey hunting and I don't see the need for all the coons that we have, I would go to something more drastic than just trapping them. I'd figure out a way to poison them. It's kind of like what they what they do with, with the gophers and stuff like uh, that. <laughs> well, in well Iowa, I wonder if that's part of the reason that they just changed the laws here because they just changed the law to where now you can kill them at any time. Yeah, you can shoot them whenever. You don't have to. I think they're having to make up for that. They're having to make up for the lack of trapping. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is it, are yeah. are they making up for the lack of trapping, or and is that partly because they know that the turkey population's down and they just need people to shoot because that I. If we all say, okay, yeah, that's definitely the problem, I still don't think that's necessarily going to mean that people are going to go start trapping, you know, because I'm not going to take the time, as much as I do love turkeys, I can't take the time to go and check a trap every 24 hours. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, But I, we would have to get a Iowa representative on here to ask him if, that, if turkeys played into, into any of the decision-making to be able to allow people to start trapping or start killing coons at will. I mean, meaning you could kill them any time of the year, night, day, whatever. Um, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I think it's just a, I mean, drive down the road in Iowa and any road you go down, you're going to probably within every mile or two miles, you're going to see a dead coon. Yeah. Oh, our amount, of, our number of coons is. It's ridiculous. Unbelievable. Well, there's a lot of other things too that are, there's a ton of them. There's a ton of skunks and a ton of freaking possums. Possums are everywhere. I wonder, what do you think is the number one killer of of, of the eggs? Skunks and possums, I think, are statistically more than the most. coons and snakes. But we don't have very many snakes. No, I I don't know. I I mean, I don't know if it's. I'm going to say the coons and because foxes. of the numbers. And we don't have a lot of foxes, though. I mean comparatively to where other places I've lived where I used to see foxes a lot. We do have, they seem to have come back more recently. I would feel like, too, full-grown turkeys, I feel like once they make it to full-grown, a lot of them have a pretty good chance of survival. I feel like the number one thing that would be killing them would be bobcats. I would say bobcats are mm-hmm. hell on them. I think bobcats are pretty sneaky. I don't think they have a pretty hard time killing. A full-grown one? Yeah. Mm-mm. You don't think so at all? I don't think they do. I don't I know. Those frickers... They they can fight. They can fight, but a bobcat that's hungry. Yeah, but I mean that's got to be a hold hard, on a difficult thing to hold on to with all their feathers and everything. I like, I guess maybe it wouldn't be that hard for them to do, but I would think that it would be more difficult for a bobcat to kill a turkey than you'd think. If he tried um, to take off and he starts to beating, ask his, a bobcat. beating well, his first wings off, and everything. This what I was just gonna say to you guys is that I don't think bobcats are that big of a deal, nor are coyotes. Uh, for your turkey population. And then I just happened to read this part that says perhaps the most notable of this suite are the raccoon, skunk, and opossum. 
These species love to dine on eggs and are experts at sniffing out turkey nests. Most, but not all, nests are all nests. Fa- nest failures are results of this group. So those three. So the three we literally just named. Um, on average, between forty and sixty. 40 and 60% of all turkey nests will be eaten before they are hatched. Thus, most predator control programs typically attempt to target this group with hopes that their reduction will lead to increased nest success within a particular area. However, research conducted by wildlife scientists had yielded mixed conclusions regarding the efficiency of predator control programs. Meaning that you, even though you're catching a whole bunch of them, shooting them, you ain't doing enough to save enough on the other side, you know, the nut. They're referring to you're shooting coyotes and bobcats and things like that versus the nest, uh, what the heck they call them, nest predators. Nest predators and predators are two different things, according to this. So they're not saying anything about the nest predators? Well, right there, they're going off. Everybody says that you got to, if you want to help your turkey population, you need to take out your coyotes and your bobcats and the things that are hunting them. When in reality, the majority of them aren't even being hatched. Right. Because of the coons and the possums and the They're not even making it that skunks. far. Yep. Yes, yeah. correct. Now, I could read more on that, but I'm sure that they have something to do with trapping. So, in a nutshell, the next time you see a coon, shoot it. Yeah. That's pretty much I mean, the... if that, it's legal there. Yeah, if it's legal there. I mean, in Iowa, shoot it. Um, if you got possums running around your house, shoot them. Because if you enjoy turkey hunting, you may not have any other choice. I, I'm telling you, I think, I think if I had to just take a guess, I think that's responsible for at least a decent margin of it. Oh, for sure, I for just, sure. But I just, I, I'm the the one that I think that it, you're, that I think is as much is the agriculture sprawl. Sprawl is these fields wiping out the little patches of timber, you know, or the the tree line, especially like Nebraska. I mean, those poor birds don't have a lot of places to roost as it is. And when you wipe that out, there's no place. And those shelter belts in in Nebraska where those birds will spend all day, you know, it might only be 50 <laughs> yards wide, but it might be a mile long or 500 yards long. And you'd be surprised how many turkeys could live in there and stay in there. And when you wipe that out, then they're just out there in the wide open. Well, that's... Have- I think that's really hurt pheasants too, hasn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that's half of it though, and the other half is trapping right there is a significant 97% of your problem. Uh Uh-huh. There's a lot of different things. But we can do something about the predators. We, I don't know that we can do anything about the agricultural sprawl. I don't know. You're not going to convince a, a farmer that he shouldn't plant another 50 acres when that's his livelihood, because you're wiping out the turkey and the deer and the and the pheasants. You're just not going to do it. Yeah. You know. Well, you have like CRP programs and stuff. I was going to say you it, might you um, might st- see some government programs that come out that say to leave trees in. You know. Right. Yeah, I don't know. That's. I think that one would be more complicated to fix than. The trapping sure. problem, because I think you got a whole bunch of guys. If you made it legal, where they like Iowa did, where they can just go and shoot coons, they'll at least they'll at least shoot the ones that are walk by the stand or whatever. Right, for sure. Well, what do you guys think? Yeah, go shoot the coyotes or go shoot the coons. 
or save the turkeys. We need to start a thing like the turtles, save the turkeys. The problem is, is that then we're we're saving the turkeys so that we, we can, can shoot, shoot them. them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different than saving a turtle, so That's that fair. people can enjoy them. I can see the conflict of interest there, <laughs> but it's still it's better for everybody. There's still more turkeys. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. You ready for a wacky fact? Yep. The shortest commercial flight in the world is in Scotland. It's a 1.7-mile journey between Westray and Papa Westray Islands, and it takes 90 seconds by plane. Why? Did, why? Well, I'm guessing because it's islands between Westray and Papa Westray Islands. You couldn't just drive your boat over there? I don't know. At first, no I ferry. thought there wasn't even a. it wasn't even between islands, and I'm like, that would just irritate me that somebody's going to go get on a plane for 90 seconds. Yeah, you know it's going to take forever to get on there and everything else, and they're you know they're going to take forty minutes for everybody to sit there and stuff. To I don't know that it's not a commercial. It's that kind you said of it's flight. a commercial flight. Yeah, it says the but shortest like commercial flight in the world is in Scotland. Yeah, but a commercial flight could be anything from like a ten passenger plane to your big ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I need a medium you know button. This isn't fair. Okay, uh, it is. It's on an island to where you'd either have to take a boat or. A plane to get over it. That's why it's that way. All right. That is for <laughs> the people that are using the plane, not you. That is stupid. <laughs> get on wow. the freaking boat. <laughs> yeah, I guess Do you know what the shortest river is? No. While you're on your wacky facts? Oh, I freaking know this. Yeah, huh? you've told us it before. You yeah. used to yeah, live, live there. there. It's in it's, Great Falls. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the, the Roe River. Um, yeah, but it's it? it's where the little thing is. The how far is it? Giant Springs. Giant Springs. That's what it is. It's uh, like three hundred feet. Great Falls, Montana, home of the shortest river in the world. I don't know how you spell yeah, uh, the two hundred one feet. Two hundred one feet. Yeah, a lot of feet. I wonder what it has to do to be constituted as a river like that. I think they have that on a little plate there. Yeah, it says that it <laughs> why we read it. But I can't remember. Comes what the out of the ground right there, initiates there, and then runs into the Missouri. I feel like that was probably something like Lewis and Clark did. They'd have been two nimrods like us. We're like, let's make this the shortest river in the world. Boom, <laughs> sign, official. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure they that's did that. Ha- that. That's exactly Did you just have I- the one? Yeah. It's only supposed to be one, usually. You normally do two or three. Well, Dad just did the second one. Yeah. Okay, well, we're mine good. Mine was, I didn't get a rating on mine. The shortest river, come on. Just because you knew it off the top of your head. All right. Good job. <laughs> I like being the judge. <laughs> All right. I Since think we're crocodiles good. can't stick out their tongues. I feel like everybody knows that. That is, I did not know that. What? <laughs> that is freaking hilarious to think about. A crocodile sticking Opening his, his mouth out. like, eh. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast. People can't see his facial that's why, expressions. That's why they T-Rex need the birds either. to clean their teeth out because they can't lick their teeth to get the meat out. Imagine putting a little piece of popcorn in there. Yeah, that would piss him off. That'd be a grumpy crocodile. Dude, I bet you the water boy didn't even know that fact. He'd be eating cake buffalo trying to get their ribs to get it out. All right. Well, you guys went two for three. Good job. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Man, today's topic I think is uh, kind of serious, I guess. If you're a turkey hunter, you better be paying attention to not just our podcast, but your state 
you know, what's their recommendation? What are they looking at? What's going to happen? Um, if you guys have some information, though, like I said, I don't care whether it's factual or meaning like it's a, a case study. I'm saying if you've done something that you're seeing or that you think we'd like to hear from you so that we can kind of include that. Um, but it, it is definitely a problem. The turkey population, not only here in Iowa, but like Warren mentioned, across the Midwest and the South. So thanks, you guys, for tuning in. And uh, we will see you next time. This is the Raised Hunting Podcast signing off.